All right. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're all excited and prepped for the weekend. Our final guest of the day is Christelle Rohat, and she is the founder of Cody. The topic today is the future of the workplace. And our tagline is what's the best workplace model to attract and retain top talent in 2021. And Christelle's bio is that she founded Cody during her master's in city planning at UC Berkeley in 2018. She was also a fellow at the Ellen MacArthur Foundation specialized on the circular economy. Uh, Christelle applies her skills as a city planner and entrepreneur to provide an economically and socially beneficial work from home alternative, uh, which we'll certainly learn more about here in just a moment. And this earned her um, to be honored as a Forbes 30 under 30 winner, winner in 2020. And her work with Cody has been recognized by Fast Company, the San Francisco Business Times and other high profile publications. Her mission goes far beyond just providing space. Cody is a way to revitalize residential neighborhoods by developing strong circular economies. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. All right. Well, let's kick off and, and talk about Cody. So why don't you give just an overview of what Cody is and what you guys provide? Sure. So Cody is the first company to offer access to daytime workspaces in private homes, uh, giving people the opportunity to walk to work in their own neighborhoods. We typically work directly with companies who embrace flexible work um, and view Goody as a valuable employee benefit. So the way it works is that we kind of open up work hubs locally in employees' neighborhoods, and it helps the company attract and retain the best talent and it's part of a remote or hybrid work model. I, I studied the website and I'm really excited about this. We're a fully remote team. And I've just, I've, I've thought, I'm sure like everybody else, I've thought a lot lately about the effects of COVID for um, the remote working world. And I just, I'm curious to get your take on it. We'll do a little bit of a segue here, but I'm curious to hear what you think the future holds in terms of, you know, the companies that were previously in office because of COVID, they went remote. What do you anticipate happening in the next year or two in terms of their workforce and where they work? I think the data has been very clear after a year of forced remote work, people want flexibility and demand flexibility from their employers. So the companies that are against it or like won't provide that flexibility are at risk of losing the best talent uh, and remaining competitive. And so short term, I see a kind of a short term in equilibrium where you you see more and more companies going hybrid. So making the, mm -hmm. the office optional or mandatory just a couple of days a week. Uh, long term, I think, we can dig into those details, but like there's a lot of like pitfalls to those type of hybrid work models. Long term, I think it's going to be more and more remote first and provide uh, the right benefits for employees to feel as engaged and successful as they can be, regardless of location. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the, the details of how this works. So let's say that uh, I own a home in the, the Denver area and you have companies in this area that, that need to find places for their staff to work. How does that work from my perspective as a homeowner and I've got an empty house during the day? Yeah. So you would go through the application process on our website, um, share a couple of pictures, like what does your home like have, you know, kind of coffee, Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, and then we have an 18 Cody quality checklist to make sure that, you know, your home is suited for productive work. Um, okay. And then to help you kind of upgrade your home to the standards of an enterprise client, right? So typically it's like Nespresso coffee and a lot of power outlets and self-check-in, yeah. uh, these type of things. 
and it creates a very special experience for enterprise clients. And then what would it look like for me in terms of, you know, earning, earning an income from this to maybe offset my mortgage? Yeah, our goal is to cover 30% of your mortgage or your rent. Um, that's kind of like the threshold in urban planning for housing affordability. And that's part okay. of our mission. Um, so depending on like, you know, your location, Denver is a different market than New York, et cetera. Sure. You can make from a, a few hundred dollars a month to a few thousand dollars a month. Um, and, and that's just daytime sharing of your typically living room, dining room. I see. Okay. And then typically would it, would, would there be several people from the same company utilizing my home or is it more, um, like, is it generally that they're, they're employees of a company that has operations, say, in Denver, or is it more freelancers, for example, that use the, the service as well? We kind of started as a consumer-first company three years ago. Uh, now, with the pandemic, there's a lot more demand on the enterprise side. And so we work, we tend to work directly with companies who have clusters of remote remote employees. And so you, as a homeowner or tenant, you would host typically three to six uh, employees from the same company who would access your space maybe every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And how would this compare to, I, I guess, what 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 is the sell to the companies in, in terms of them utilizing this model or what you provide versus renting a, a, a commercial space or maybe even sharing a commercial space? Yeah, so the big difference is that we are the only kind of workspace provider that offers walkable options for employees. The reality is that, you know, 99% of Americans live in residential neighborhoods. And so they're not within one mile of a downtown office, whether it's shared or private. Co-working spaces tend to be clustered in downtown areas because of zoning. Um, and so if you really want to kind of meet the needs of remote workers who don't want to commute, um, you have to kind of bring the workplace back to them, like, closer to them and it, it's yeah. it's in the residential neighborhood and what do you have you have you have a lot of residential spaces and so that's yeah. why we specialize in uh in that and turning kind of residential space into a work hub for the day um so that we can really cater the needs of remote workers that makes sense and is it more affordable generally to use cody like if i have six employees in uh in say new york city is it going to be on average more affordable for me to use cody than it would be to get commercial space yeah, we typically save around sixty percent of real estate costs wow. to our partners. That's that's significant. And also another benefit. Uh, so f first, the location is everything, right? Like the data is very clear. The number one reason why people don't want to be back in an office is commuting. And yeah. with a year of pandemic, a lot of people relocated or bought a house in the suburbs, etc. And so they live even further away than before to the HQ. Um, yeah. And so our model is really catered to that first need. Um, but second, compared to a shared co-working space, you actually, the company has more control over the experience that the, the employees have at the local work hub, the local Cody, because it's exclusively privatized to those employees. And so you can recreate that culture and have kombucha or like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, cold brew, whatever like is special to your company that you want to create yeah. in terms of amenities, you can do that in a Cody. I'm a huge cold brew fan at my, I have a, a small office within a co-working facility in Boulder and they have cold brew twice a week. I'm like, oh, I just, I look forward to those two days. It's so good. 
Well, um, if you can have that without commuting, wouldn't be the best. Of even better. Yeah, even better. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So where where do you guys stand as a company? I know, I know that you're, I think, what, three years old uh, in May, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. It's, uh, that's that's it's exciting. So where are things at in terms of fundraising? What stage of the business are you at? Kind of catch us up on that that part of it. Yeah, so we are uh, seed stage, uh, preparing for Series A. Uh, we've okay. raised seven million so far. As you said, we've been around for three years. We started as a more consumer-focused platform in the Bay Area, and then the pandemic kind of shifted uh, the marketplace a little bit towards uh, catering uh, groups of employees from the same company. Um, and now we it really accelerated our growth. Uh, you know, remote work has made a leap in the future of five, ten years with the pandemic um yeah. and so now we're growing fast and uh we expanded to new york city in the fall 2020 we're expanding in 2021 to new markets uh within the us and soon in canada um that's exciting. yeah that's exciting what, what's the plan for the rest of 2021 in terms of what, what you're comfortable talking about um what, what's on the uh, agenda for 2021 and the agenda is to you know make Cody accessible to more and more employees uh, and have more and more companies embrace that workplace optionality and provide that like basic and um, like basic benefit of providing a productive physical environment. There's a lot of conversation around digital tools to help remote workers and physical environment tend to be neglected, but I think it's the one-on-one. Um, and so, yeah, on the agenda is like giving Cody uh, to more and more of those companies and in more states and neighborhoods in the US. So from a sales perspective, is your focus reaching out to companies that you know have a distributed workforce in different urban areas? I mean, how are you, I guess, going about acquiring your, your partners? It's typically um, the chief people officer or the, the head of real estate, the head of workplace, who's interested in uh, a different solution, like okay. who's looking into What's the future of the workplace? Am I freezing? No, I'm good. You're good. You're back. You're <laughs> back. Yeah. I'm back. Um, so that's kind of like the person that is the most excited about Cody and, and can bring that to the, the rest of the company. Sometimes we have employees themselves who push for Cody internally. Um, and then team by team, you can you can expand within the company. Uh, and then it's typically, you know, or a company between 50 people to like 500 people. Uh, that has different clusters of remote workers. Okay, so let's say that I'm a founder of a company in Austin, Texas, and I have 100 employees there that I would like Cody to help me find office space for, uh, okay. and I'm ready to go. So then, then how do you, like this next step of finding suitable locations, what's the plan there? How do you go about finding good hosts? Yeah, that's our magic recipe. <laughs> I can't okay. share but uh, the way we work with the company is that they give us a list of zip codes so we can map okay. out uh, on the interactive map like exactly where their employees are. And okay. then we tailor the locations according to the the highest density of employees in those neighborhoods. Um, and then we recommend, you know, like typically people want to spend two days at home and three days in Okodi or vice versa. Um, and so we recommend a specific amount of seats uh, in those okay. locations. And there you go. Afterwards, like we can source the locations. Sometimes we already have the host ready to go. It takes a couple of weeks and within four to six weeks, we're able to 
kick off the pilot. That's that's great. And what is your day-to-day -day role at the company? Well, I'm the co-founder and CEO, so it means a little bit of everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I my day-to-day -day role is a little bit of everything, honestly. Like the working very closely with my team uh, in terms of operations and growth. Mm -hmm. um, also, you know, kind of brand awareness, like what we're doing right now. Obviously, yeah. like this is the moment to educate people and to inform them about yeah. like there's there are alternatives to like office or work from home. And, uh, you know, it's the time to be thinking outside of the box. And so that's my role, like, you know, drive the vision, drive the brand awareness uh, above everything else that my team is doing very well without me. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you enjoy the most? Like if you could, could focus in and pick, and I know that's not realistic for an early stage founder, but what do you enjoy the very most at, at work? I love meeting hosts and members. I, I love just, uh, you know, being um, in person and dog feeding my own product. I think it's extremely rewarding yeah. to like go down the street and knock at a door and magically it opens and it's a Cody. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then getting to know everyone, getting to know the, the stories of the host and uh, of the members. It's very exciting to see the impact of what you're doing. Oh, I'm sure. Do you get some good design inspiration? I'm sure that there's a lot of hosts that have really nice places that are well-designed. Oh, yeah. And the best hosts are the, the designers. Uh, you completely okay. got it right. Like the, they taught us so much and they're still teaching us like what's the best, you know, kind of work environment in Okodi. Um, we've seen amazing practices and tips from those hosts. Mm, that's great. Yeah, it'd be interesting if you haven't already to maybe develop like a, a best practice guide for hosts because yeah. there is like I, I think feng shui for example is interesting and my wife is really good at that and there's something to that like there's just there's something to being in an environment that just feels good and 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 i find it easier to work in an environment that has good energy like that yeah well i think homes inherently most of the homes that we have people spend so much time designing them and so much energy making them nice and cozy because they leave that every single day right Sure. Now, it doesn't mean that it's productive um, and that's our job to make them like, you know, a productive space. Um, but compared to commercial space, that's kind of cold and doesn't have soul and and that yeah. vibe that you're looking for. I think uh, residential spaces have really that inherently. Yeah, definitely a different energy for sure. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, what would you say is your biggest challenge, biggest pain point right now as a company? I think it's just a uh, kind of speed of operations. Um, the market is huge. You know, it just uh, exploded. Um, yeah. majority, we went from like, I think it was between four and 15% of people were fully remote before the pandemic to, we expect like half of employees to That's stay remote. <laughs> it's crazy. Huge. Massive it's huge. change. Massive change yeah. and, and at the global scale. So, yeah. you know, like sky is the limit is just about like, okay, how do we prioritize things we want to do every day so that we can make it available in, in Boulder, in Denver, in Austin yeah. faster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a specific bottleneck that you routinely hit? Uh, something that challenges slows you down? Um, that's a great question. I think there's, there's always kind of a psychological barrier to um, a new concept like Cody. You know, initially mm -hmm. in the early days, like people were like, 
Uber is crazy, Airbnb is crazy. I would never sleep yeah. in someone else's home and bed. Um, and now look at it. <laughs> but I would I say, like, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree that like a lot of the foundation and groundwork has been laid by Airbnb, Uber? I mean, if we're going to get in somebody's car and go for a ride, if we're going to stay in a stranger's house, if we're going to let a stranger bring us our food for dinner, like, why can't we go, you know, work during the day in somebody's house? Like, that just seems very normal to me. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, it can be sometimes a generation difference uh, or okay. some personalities are different. Um, sure. And that's all right. Like, you know, it's not for everybody, uh, but I fully agree. I think once you have the experience, you realize it actually is more special and more elevated than most commercial spaces. Um, but you have kind of, for some people, like you have to experience it to understand it. And that's kind of a barrier, obviously. Yeah. The, the, the educational burden is so significant that it's, it's great. It's great timing for you guys. One, to be able to write off the, the coattails of these early companies that have sort of set the stage and educated the public on this idea, this sort of sharing economy. And then two, uh, you know, the benefits of, of um, I won't say the benefits of COVID, but what COVID has caused in terms of of pushing remote work. I mean, the, the timing couldn't be better for you guys, I imagine. Yeah, def definitely. It's been uh, an upside um, kind of ride uh, yeah. since things reopened. And, and um, the thing is that we were around before the pandemic for a year, year and a half. So I'm grateful that we had that time to like really nail like the experience, the, the standards, um, understanding yeah. who are our hosts, who are our members. Because now, like things are opening, um, the market has exploded, as you said. Um, a lot more people understand the value of what we do, um, the employee, but also the employer. And now the focus is only about like, okay, let's execute and let's grow uh, as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when when it comes to prioritization, you, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but I'm curious, how do you prioritize your day as a founder? I think it's about like um, how can you have as much impact as possible, right? And um, if someone else in the company can do it better, like don't do it. That's micromanagement. Um, yeah. So because sometimes like they can have a really high impact, right? So that could be top priority in your day, uh, but it shouldn't because someone somebody else can do it uh, instead of you and do it probably better. Um, so. First, I'm looking at like, okay, what are the biggest impact stuff that are on the agenda for Cody as a company? Mm -hmm. And then what is my role to like push them forward, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And every day I, I look at kind of those two angles. So how do you discern then what is the highest and best use of your time versus something that should be, should be handled by a, a competent team member? Um. I think it's about like understanding who's responsible for what, right? Like if it's mm -hmm. clearly the responsibility of somebody else, like I, I want to help and I want to voice that I'm, I'm here to help um, and, and move forward, especially push forward like uh, something, especially if it's top priority. Um, but I don't want to overstep and it's, it's not my, my, my goal neither. Like I think a company is stronger if um, everyone is empowered and independent instead of kind of a hierarchy uh, that's very typical in, in, in France and way less in, in the US. And I appreciate that about here. I see. Well, let, let's talk about that. I, this wasn't planned, but I, I'm curious to know 
what the business culture and, and personal culture, but what the business culture is in France and how this might be different. Like if, if Cody was, was based in France, how, how might that look different? I think it's just a different mentality in terms of, um, top down, like it's, uh, you know, there's less startups, there's less innovation, even though like it's, mm. it's increasing now, but it's new where, like, I mean, I'm in San Francisco, I'm in the Bay Area, so I learned a ton from yeah. other entrepreneurs that have done that for like 30 years or more. Um, yeah. And it's deeply ingrained here, like how things function in terms of transparency, collaboration, uh, communication, and uh, as uh, being vulnerable as well, like as a CEO, being able to like share the truth and, and be vulnerable is something that would not be really culturally accepted in France, I think. I see. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of value to that because it builds trust, it brings people together and we're all part of a bigger mission instead of working for someone. You know, that's something that I, I really don't want to have in my company and in, yeah. in what we're building together. I, I read in your bio that you've been honored as a Forbes 30 under 30 winner in, in 2020. And I'm curious, have you ever had any issue with your age being a negative thing? Have you had pushback or, or feelings of not being respected because of your age? Has that ever been a, a challenge for you in the startup space? For sure. For sure. Like, really? I, I think so. There's always a, there's always a bias, like, especially when you're a first time founder. Um, and I mean, that bias is backed by data. So I can't really push back too much. Like it, a lot of these yeah. don't invest in first time founders because the data shows second time founders are more successful. That's the reality. Um, what can you say about that? Right? You gotta get started sometime, right? Exactly. And yeah. I think it's actually very good when you get started right after college yeah. because, um, you know, a lot of really good innovations that were kind of out of the box were founded by very early, very young entrepreneurs. Um, and I think it allows you to be less biased by society or like what you had in other jobs, because you kind of come yeah. with a very fresh approach and, and bias kind of. Yeah. And tell me, I should probably know this, but I don't, I don't recall. Are you the solo founder at Cody or do you have a, a other, other co-founders? I have a co-founder, uh, Dave. He joined me kind of six months in. He's the okay. technical co-founder. He does everything I can't do, <laughs> okay. like coding and tech, uh, techy stuff. Like that's not my thing. And he's great okay. at it. Now is he? Now I'll I'll be careful here. But is he on the older side, or is he a similar age to you? Uh, he's a he's a, a startup veteran. He did okay. actually uh, several companies uh, that he co-founded himself. So he balanced my experience very well in that regard. I see. So how is that relationship then? How, how do you guys work together? Um, super simple. Like we all each have our own stuff and then we, we meet up like on a regular basis and, and share what's going on for each of us. And there's really little overlap at the end of the day because he's really technical and I'm really business driven and or vision driven and, and it works very well. Yeah, that's great. How did you guys, how did you guys meet? Um, so at the time it was, I was pitching at Berkeley, um, last days of before graduation and, um, one angel investor was there and, uh, started to get interested and follow my progress. And after a couple of months, she was like, what do you need? How can I be helpful? Um, and I said, well, I need a, a technical co-founder. <laughs> okay. Uh, I couldn't build the product myself. I tried on WordPress and stuff, but it was very 
very bad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. And so she introduced us, and it worked out. Wow, that's so good. I think that it's easy for some to undervalue relationships and connections like that. Um, it's just incredible what what can come from those connections and relationships. Yeah, definitely. And I, I really enjoy um, the difference in backgrounds as well. Like we're very different and that makes us stronger, I think. I agree. I talked about this uh, this morning, but it, the idea of always agreeing with your co-founder is, is not so good really because um, then you're effectively one person. I think it's healthier to have a respectful dialogue and actually disagree and work through those things because it points to each of your experience. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, I, I want to highlight in on the, the last line of your bio, and I, I want to ask you to go a little bit deeper into that. Uh, and that says, her mission goes far beyond just providing space. Cody is a way to revitalize residential neighborhoods by developing strong circular economies. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Yeah, for sure. So actually, Cody was born more as of a academic thesis, almost on um, our residential neighborhoods. We, you look around and it's full of houses. Um, there's a pretty well-known housing crisis in the Bay Area. So I was focusing on that yeah. at the time. Uh, rents and mortgages are really expensive. People spend most of their time trying to pay it back, but our homes are sitting empty all day long or at least very underutilized. And that really stuck with me um, and I was trying to find a way to like provide additional revenue for those local residents. And at the same time, um, part of urban planning is that you study also transportation and how people kind of interact with space in the city. In most US cities, it was designed around zoning. So you have large residential zones and tiny commercial zones and everyone is commuting during the day at 8 a.m. from the residential zones to the downtown area just for Wi-Fi and a desk, right, for those offices. Um, and so the residential zone is empty during the day and then the commercial zone is empty at night. It just yeah. seems so inefficient. That's not how human function, right? Like we yeah. we are multi-uses, like we do different things during the day. Uh, what yeah. kind of space, why should a space be frozen in one use, right? And, and can't like accommodate different uses. And um, so we started from there, and, and when you look at like a residential neighborhood, then you're like, okay, there's, there's plenty of real estate that is available that would help benefit the local residents to create, you know, kind of additional earnings. Um, and there's also plenty of workers who need a space to work and, you know, shouldn't have to commute more than half an hour each way yeah. for things that are available right next to them. Um, so that. It's kind of like part of the circular economy, sharing economy, you know, like providing an asset that is right there to somebody else who needed. Yeah. Um, and another piece of it is like, if you keep people in the neighborhood, instead of having that drain by downtown areas, um, you're gonna boost the local economy. The local businesses are gonna have more people during the day for lunch, for coffee, et cetera. Yeah. And it really creates a virtuous circle. Um, and that's what I, I love about it. It's it's transforming our residential neighborhoods where ninety nine percent of people live. Yeah, I, I'm curious. So when you came to Berkeley, and it looks like you have a master of city planning and urban and urban planning. So did you intend to be entrepreneurial when you started at Berkeley, or did this just kind of work out that way? 
I didn't intend. No, I wanted to work for the city. Uh, and um, I think I've, I've always been very kind of innovation driven. Like I was always part of innovation contests and entrepreneurship uh, classes and stuff like that. Um, but no, it was not my intention. It really, as I was studying like all the challenges that cities have, and I was also a fellow on the circular economy at Ellen MacArthur, that's a think tank on these type of concepts. Um, I just started to like really think through that concept of like repurposes a, repurposing a home during the day as a as a work hub for people who need it in the neighborhood and boosting the local economy that way. Mm-hmm. And I thought like that's the best way I can be as in, very impactful for cities sure. and for residents. Yeah. Um, and so I just uh, started to do it. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, and here we. It's a very unique path, which is fun. I, I'm I'm curious. I mean, you're not brand new anymore. You got three years of experience under your belt with Cody. How do you like it? I mean, do you, do you foresee that the future Christelle will be an entrepreneur, a founder, or would you rather just work for the city of San Francisco and collect a, a stable paycheck? Oh yeah, no, no. I love entrepreneurship. I'll never work for a company. I think it will always be. I mean, I, I don't know, I can say never say never, right? Like I, I love collaborating with cities and we we got the, an award very early in 2018 by the city of Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, it was the visionary award or something. So I have like connections with the, still keep connections with city planning because it's part of our DNA, it's part of why I'm doing this. I think it helps sure. cities for tra- for commuting, for you know CO2 emissions, for local economies, for housing affordability. Um, and I think this is the way I can have as, as much impact as possible. And that's what I'm passionate about. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are the same way. They, they want impact. They want to see the, the impact of what they're doing like the next day. Right. And it's really hard to have that in the, in the government. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious if you have any regrets or, or maybe we could say things that you've learned in the very early stages of Cody that uh, that, that maybe you apply those lessons now, or maybe if you started another venture in the future, you would apply those lessons. And if, if so, what, what would those be? I think the biggest lesson I've learned in the, um, in the first kind of two years is hiring, like finding the right team. Um, I was very lucky with my co-founder very fast. Um, but then I, I think I, I made some mistakes uh, in hiring uh, or even before. Like, it's just I, I didn't really know what I was looking for. Yeah. And uh, anyone who was passionate, I would be like, yes, join me. <laughs> uh, very kind of naive, you know. And uh, I mean, we're building a movement here, right? Like the walk yeah. through movement. So it's easy to kind of like mishire or like not, not have the right people around you. And I realized at some point that it's actually very key for success. Uh, the success is, you know, you can have the best idea ever, but not be able to execute. Uh, yeah. When you have the best team ever, you can, you can do whatever you want. Uh, you can go very far. Yeah, I've definitely made my fair share of mistakes in hiring, um, but but I've learned from those, and I think that's that, that's the key, right? Is learning, and then what's interesting is I knew at the time I just didn't trust my gut there were indicators throughout the process that pointed to the fact that like this person is just not quite the right fit mm-hmm. or there's certain things that just don't quite make sense. And I, at the time, unfortunately chose to ignore those, those feelings yeah. that I had 
and you know, it's just, um, definitely a, a valuable lesson learned for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I share similar feelings about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, what advice would you give to a founder that's not quite as far down the, the, the path that you are? Maybe they're just starting out. What would be your advice to them? Well, that's like the number one. I would I would say, you know, trust your guts for finding your founding team. The founding team is everything. And uh, it's more important than what you're actually building uh, almost, right? <laughs> um, it's very important, yeah. It's key. So number one is like be very thoughtful about the founding team. Um, I would say a tip is look at people who have worked in a similar industry, who have done the job before, uh, so that you can, especially if you're a first-time founder, you can have like uh, hack the learnings a little bit and yeah. gain a couple of years of learnings just because you have that person who have those learnings um, and will sure. execute better. Uh, that's something that is great. And then obviously culture fit is, is, is number one in, in understanding, you know, kind of the gut feeling we're talking about. It's, it's also culture fit. Yeah. Um, number two, um, let's see. Yeah. Not building a product per se too fast, like really validating, uh, the, that there's a need for what you, you want to do. And, and that will dictate what you need to build to meet those needs. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, so the website is Cody.com, Cody with an I. Um, where is the best place for people to find you, whether they want to talk to you about um, about Cody or perhaps about uh, being a founder? Where would be the best place for them to to reach out? Yeah, you can reach out. Um, well, if it's a, a company who wants to like try Cody, the best way is like on Cody.com. At the bottom, there's a little form, like fill out your information and you'll be directly in contact with my team and myself. Um, and we'll have to like do a little pilot or something. If you want to just contact me directly personally for anything else, um, LinkedIn or Twitter works well. Perfect. And the website is beautiful by the way. So definitely well worth checking out. Um, thank you. Christelle, thank you. I, it's Friday afternoon. I know that, uh, um, we're all ready for the weekends. I really appreciate you being gracious with your time and, and joining us today. Thanks. I had a had a lot of fun uh, chatting with you, Jim. Thanks a lot. Awesome. So all the contact information will be on the landing page. So for anybody that wants to uh, to check that out further, uh, can certainly do so. But hope you have a, a great weekend, Christelle. Thank you. You too. Cheers.